underway of our summer series in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And I just want to let you guys know it's been such a blessing to just to hear these guys come up here and uh, just share what the Lord's been ministering to them through this chapter, through these guys uh, in, the, in the chapter, these heroes, these champions, as, as Boberg put it. Man, I, I really like that one. I never heard that one before, um, calling them the, the heroes of faith, champions of faith. And um, also, if you guys haven't uh, gone to, to listen to any of the messages, um, I'd encourage you guys to go ahead and check out the church website and um, give them a listen. You guys, uh, you guys will really be blessed. Um, so, um, as you guys know, we're going to be in chapter 11 tonight. But before um, we, we dive right into it, I just want to do a small recap, um, you know, about um, the chapters leading up to chapter uh, 11. And, and then I'll do a, a little recap on what the, the other guys have talked about. And um, so let's get right into it. You know, uh, the, the, the book of Hebrews was, uh, was written by an anonymous writer. Um, some debate that it was written by Luke or Paul. Um, Apollos, but, um, you know, I, I read one where some guy just said, hey, God knows who wrote the book, and that was good enough for me. Um, so the writer, he's addressing this group of Jewish believers. He's addressing this group of Hebrew believers, um, a group that's being tempted by friends, uh, that's being tempted by loved ones, by acquaintances, um, by family. Um, they're being tempted to return uh, to the ways of works, to, to return to the ways of um, the, being under the law of Moses, to returning to the ways of sacrifice um, that were being sacrificed at the temple. And, and they were doing this uh, to try and make an attempt to make themselves right before God. And um, um, the writer also in these chapters goes through great pains um, um, speaking on the supreme the superiority of Jesus, how, how there's nothing better than him, um, nothing out there that, that's better than Jesus and what he did on the cross. So as we uh, dive into chapter 11, um, the writer starts to speak to them, to, to, these, to these believers about uh, the need for faith, the need for endurance to, 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 to please God. And, and now he's going to address this, this group within the group. You know, a group that's just being tempted just to leave Christ, you know, because uh, the persecution that they're, fa- that they're facing for their faith uh, is, is just making their life just very, very difficult to live. So this group, you know, the, they're being tempted to return to their old ways and uh, just to go back to way things, how things used to be, you know. And, and it would be, you know, they're probably thinking to themselves, man, it'd be just a lot easier, you know, uh, just to go back to the way I used to live. You know, I wouldn't be arguing with uh, or fighting with my loved ones, with my family, with my friends, you know. It, it would just be easier and it would save me a lot of grief. And also, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking to themselves, man, this, this, this life of faith that, that I'm living, it's just flat out hard. And it's hard, you know, it is, guys, it's really hard. We, we, as believers, we need faith and we need endurance. So, you know, um, they're thinking that this life is just really, really hard and they're thinking about throwing in the towel. And, and you know, guys, we, we should never look at, at believers that are thinking that way as, oh, man, that, that's Sally. She's really, really weak, man. She's talking about throwing in the towel like she can't hack it. Like, man, just get out of here, you know. Like, we should never think that way. 
you know, these believers, they, they have paid in, in, this, in this text, they've paid an enormous price. You know, they, the, the, the writer speaks of the adversity that they've faced, that they've been, uh, and the stuff that they've been through. The, the writer speaks on the humiliation that, that they've faced, the loss of property, and how they've been put into prison. So, right now, um, this, the, these believers, these Hebrew and, 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 and Jewish believers, they're in need of some serious encouragement right now, you know. And so, this group that, that's being tempted to, to, to leave their faith and just to go back to the, to the way that they used to do things, right now the writer's just going to school them right now. He's just going to give them a little history lesson. He's going to give them a history lesson of their own history. And, and the writer of this book, of this chapter, like I said, this book, and, and in this chapter he's going to go and he's going to stress one point over and over and over and over and over and over again. That it's always required faith and endurance to be obedient and to please God in this fallen world. So, in other words, he's telling them, don't you ever think for one second that God is asking something crazy, something extraordinary from you that he hasn't already asked from people throughout all the ages. It's always required faith in Hebrews 10.36. Remember, it says, for you have need of endurance... So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So, now I'm going to do just a little quick uh, uh, run through of what the guys have talked about in chapter 11. And the writer, he's going to take us through, through, through these, uh, the, these heroes, the, these great champions of faith. Again, he's going to give them this history lesson, guys, from their own history. And he's going to give them pictures. He's going to give them pictures of, of Abel. He's going to give them pictures of Enoch. He's going to give them pictures of Noah, Abraham, Moses, Moses' parents. And in each one of these pictures, guys... Um, And in each one of these pictures, each one has always required faith and endurance to please God. So in verse 1, it starts off, it gives a definition of faith. And it says in Hebrews 11.1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, um, I don't know about you guys, but... When I do my personal devotion, I'm usually not reading from the New King James. I'm reading from the, uh, the New Living Translation because it's just easier for me. So when I read that, I'm just like, all right, let's, 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 let's look at the NLT now. And this is, what the, this is what the NLT says in Hebrews 11.1. 1, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Also, another thing, sometimes when I'm reading the NLT, it's not completely clear either. Okay, so that's when I got to go and start digging deeper to find out what these verses mean, you know. So I, I did a little digging and, and, I, and I listened to different studies and, and, and I loved the way that Damien Kyle put it. He, he, he says it this way, faith is living in absolute confidence in what God has said, even if the promise isn't seen yet. Man, I love that, man. You know, faith is living in absolute confidence in what God has said, even if the promise isn't seen yet. Guys, we need faith. We need endurance. Not one of us, guys, not one of us will see heaven unless we have faith. Not one of us will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, unless we have faith. So, the writer begins to give these examples, and he starts off with Abel. The story of Cain and Abel. You know how the self-righteous represented by Cain are are persecuting those that live by faith represented by Abel. 
and the writers letting these believers know you guys are not the first ever to 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 face persecution he takes them all the way back to genesis 4 he takes them down that road where abel was being persecuted by his brother cain and that abel had faith and that he endured and that he stood in the disobedience of his brother cain and guys if abel could stand they could and guys so can we Then, the writer goes on to Enoch. Enoch walked with God for 300 years in a world that was just growing more and more and more evil right before his eyes. He walked with the Lord for 300 years before he took him home, before the Lord took him home. But he continued to walk with God. He didn't give up. And now... These Jewish believers, you know, they've been walking with God for a couple months, a couple years, and now they're thinking, man, this is an impossible task at hand. We just can't do it. We just can't. But the writer reminds them of Enoch and how he lived in that same type of environment and how uh, they, they kind of went through the same rejection. And if Enoch can do it, they can do it, guys. And if Enoch can do it, we can do it as well. Then the writer goes on to Noah and, and, and how he obeyed God and, and, and that he was pretty much obeying God when nobody else in the world was. You know, uh, he receives this command from, from God and he tells him, hey, go build that ark, man. Things to come, it's going to be crazy. There's going to be a great flood. And, you know, what, is, what does uh, Noah do? He builds that ark in the face of mocking, in the face of scoffing. He still does it. He does what he's told and, and, and through it all, guys, he, 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 he obeys God to, to save his household. You know, if, if Noah can do it, so can they, guys. And if Noah can do it, we can do it as well. Then the writer goes on to Abraham, for the friend of God. And for Abraham, obeying God meant leaving all the security that he had. Obeying God meant leaving all the comfort that, that he was just in, guys, you know. Abraham, you know, he, he was living a pretty good life, you know, and, and, and he, he receives the command from God, hey, it's time to get up and, and, and just go. I want you to start living in tents now, you know, and, and just like Abraham, Abraham guys, the, these believers, they, they were losing their comforts. They were losing their earthly securities. So these believers were, were reminded of the father of the nation, you know, who, who left all comforts, who left all his security to, obe- to be obedient to the Lord, to go into the land of Canaan and to obey the word of God. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but Abraham went through a lot of difficulty. He went through a lot of difficulty, and he had plenty of opportunity to just be like, man, I'm just going to go back to my life, you know. It was an easier life, you know. But he didn't do it, and they were not to do it either. And guys, we are not to do it either. (laughs) Then the writer goes on to Sarah, and her faith was demonstrated um, on her willingness to wait on God's promise. You know, uh, she would receive a a son that would be uh, the promised seed. And uh, Sarah was 90 years old, and she had never had a child. She was barren, and at that same time, uh, uh, Abraham was 99 years old, and I don't know about you guys, but who wants to have a baby at 99 unless, God's have a, unless God has a promise for you? But Sarah believed in that promise. The Lord did it even when everything looked impossible. 
So now as um, you know, I, I finished that, that little recap, guys, I'm going to go ahead and just dive into the portion of Scripture that I've been given, uh, Hebrews 11, 17 through 22. And I'll go ahead and read it just by sections. And it says, verse 17, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So, again, Abraham, one of the most influential men in history, had a big impact, guys, on human history. Uh, one thing we got to know about Abraham is that, you know, his faith in God, his trust in God wasn't just one day, boom, given to him. It just wasn't implanted in him, guys. You know, he didn't pop out the womb and like, man, there's just this super faithful baby. No, it wasn't like that, guys. Uh, it was built. It, it grew within him. And if you guys have ever studied Abraham, you guys would know that there was times when he failed. There, there was times when, 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 when he faced challenges and he compromised. There was times when he faced crisis and he always didn't do what he should have done. But through it all, his faith was built and it grew. So, now after a long life of faith that Abraham's lived, one day, um, um, the, 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 the Lord God asked him, Hey, Abraham, offer up your son Isaac as a burnt offering. Man. And, 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 you know, he tells him, offer up your son, uh, you know, Isaac has a burnt offering, your only begotten son. Now, and, and we, we all know that Abraham had a, another son, his name was Ishmael, but as far as God was concerned, he only had Isaac in view. That's, that's what mattered to God at the time, you know, that, that Isaac was in view. Again, he tells him, offer up Isaac as a burnt offering. And, you know, Sarah and Abraham waited almost 100 years for this child. For, for this promised seed. And, you know, how hard do you think that was for Abraham, huh? That was pretty, probably pretty brutal. So, nonetheless, uh, he's going to do it anyways because that's what God wants. Now I'm going to go back to Genesis 22 really quick. You guys don't have to turn there, but if you want, you, you can. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. And I'll go ahead and get started. It says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on, the, on, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkeys and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on the Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, 
But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And, he, and Abraham uh, said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in, in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to, to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So now Abraham receives a command from God. Hey, take your son, your only son, and, and offer him up as a burnt offering. I want you to go to the land of Moriah and go to the place where I tell you to do this. So Abraham and Isaac, you know, they make their way to Mount Moriah, to the land of Moriah. And, and, and they, 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 they travel several days to get there. And um, in that land, there would be a specific spot where the Lord says, all right, this is where I wanted to go down. This is where I want you to do it. So now, on the third day on their, of their journey, Abraham can see the place where the Lord wants the sacrifice to be done. And so Abraham, he, he, he puts the sacrificial wood on Isaac, and, and they, they march up the hill. And as soon as they're, they're marching up the hill, boom, Isaac hits them with the question like, hey, we have the fire, we got the wood, where's the burnt offering? Where's it at? And what does the Abraham say? He says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. So they get to where they're going, and Abraham, you know, he, he, he builds the altar, he prepares the wood, and then he starts to, to tie Isaac up, and he puts him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham, he grabs that knife, and, and he's ready. He's about to sacrifice Isaac. And, and, and again, what does um, um, verse uh, 11 and 12 say? Oh, sorry, guys, I, I took myself out of the out of the book. Uh, verse, what does verse 11 and 12 say? It says, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the ladder. Do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then it goes on to say in verse 13 that Abraham looks over and he sees a ram with its horns caught in a thicket and he takes that ram and he sacrifices that ram in, in the place of Isaac. Uh, where Isaac should have been sacrificed. Now, I, I, I just want to put this out there, guys. You know, I always thought that Abraham's faith was demonstrated by, by him knowing and believing that God would stop him before he plunged that knife into, into Isaac. That's where I thought his faith was being demonstrated. But no, I had, it, I had it wrong the whole time. I had it wrong the whole time, guys. But in verse 19, it says this. It says that he was concluding that God was able to raise him from the dead. Guys, Abraham's confidence was not in that God would stop him. Uh, you know, because even if he did sacrifice Isaac, you know, God would still raise him from the dead. That's where his confidence was. That's where his faith was. That even if he did sacrifice his son, that God would still raise him from the dead. Now, why on earth would Abraham believe that? Because he believed God's promise. The promise uh, was that through Isaac, all your descendants would come. He was the promised seed, you know. And, and, and guys, up to that point, Isaac hadn't had any kids yet. Abraham knew that Isaac was 
indestructible before he had kids. And uh, he also knew that he couldn't pass from this earth until he had kids. And even if God had to raise him from the dead to keep his promise, he would. And um, I, this is the part I find pretty, pretty interesting, you know, up to this point in biblical history, guys. There had never been anyone raised from the dead. He didn't, you know, he didn't know. You know, Abraham might not have known whether or not God could raise someone from the dead. But, you know, there was one thing that Abraham did know. He, he knew that God wasn't going to break his promise. So, and let's move on to verse 20. In verse 20, it says, By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. So, the writer, he takes us back. He takes these believers back to, to Genesis 20, where Isaac blesses Jacob and Esau. So, Guys, when, like when we read it, when we read it right here in Hebrews 11, man, it, it just sounds like, oh man, it sounds holy and like it sounds like they had like a church service for it. Like, hey, everybody come, I'm going to bless my sons. If you guys have read Genesis 27, you know that it didn't go down that way. You know it didn't go down that way. And um, um, there, there, were some, there were some serious dysfunction in that family. There, there was, guys. There was some serious dysfunction in that family. You know, your dysfunctional family, my dysfunctional family is nothing new. It's nothing new. The Bible is full of them. You know, so here we have Isaac and Rebekah, and, and they have two sons, Jacob and Esau, Esau being the older and Jacob being the younger, and, you know, they're twins. They're twin boys. And, and before they were even born, God had promised that the younger would be greater than the older and that the older would serve the, that the, older would serve the younger. And as the boys grew up, you know, they had two totally different personalities. You know, Esau being the older, you know, he was just the, a man's man. You know, he was hairy. He was rugged. You know, he loved to hunt. He loved the field. And, and, and Jacob, you know, he was, a, he, was just, he was a little different. He was a little different, you know. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the word of God or offend anybody here, but he was kind of a mama's boy. He was kind of a mama's boy. And, and you know, Isaac loved Esau more. Now, it comes time to give the blessing. It comes time to give the blessing. And, and, um, and it's the same blessing that, um, that Isaac received from Abraham. And instead of listening to God about what he said about those two boys, you know, that the younger would be greater than the, than the older. You know, Jacob being younger, he was going to be greater than Esau. Here's Isaac trying to make his own thing happen. You know, he was going to try and give the blessing to Esau. Because that's how tradition was. The firstborn would receive the tradition. He would re receive the blessing. And, and so here's Rebecca. She overhears the conversation that uh, Isaac is having with Esau. Like, hey, go out, hunt some wild game. Bring it back to me when it's ready. And, and, and then I'll give you the blessing. So here's Rebecca. You know, she hears this. And now she's going to try to build her own plan. You know, a, a plan that involves cheating. A, a, a plan that involves conniving and lying. And, and she's like, no, no, God, God wants Jacob to have the blessing. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to I'll make up my own plan to make sure that happens. So Rebecca tells, uh, to, tells Jacob, hey, uh, go, go put on a, a hairy suit and, and um, I'll, I'll cook your father's favorite dish and, and I'll fool him with my food. And, and, you know, you'll go into that room and, and you'll tell him that you're Esau and, and you'll receive that blessing. 
So that's exactly what Jacob does. He puts on the hairy suit. He takes the food and he takes it into the room and he says some stuff to his father Isaac and, and he receives the blessing. Isaac thought that he was giving the blessing to Esau. And, and you, I don't know if you guys know this. At the time, Isaac was very old and he was blind. So he, uh, Jacob receives this blessing. And, and right when, you know, he receives the blessing, he, he goes out and guess who shows up? Esau shows up. He has the, he has the food. And he, and he goes into the room. He's like, Dad, I got the food. Here, here it is. I'm, I'm ready for my blessing. And he's just like, who are you? You know, and and and, and you guys, if you go on to, to read the story, the, the, this you know that scene it, it blows everything out of proportion, guys. You know that's another story in itself. But you know, I was asking myself, how how was this an example of faith? How was this an example of faith? I'll tell you. Let's read verse twenty again. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Isaac had faith when he realized that he blessed Jacob instead of Esau. After all Isaac's determination to defeat God's announced plan, God beat him at his own game. In Genesis 27:33 it says, "When Isaac found out he was tricked, he trembled exceedingly." Guys, he was shaking. He was shaking. Why? Because he knew he was trying to defeat God's plan, and God beat him. He realized that he would always be defeated when he tried to go against God's plan. Despite everybody's best efforts, best efforts, God was still going to do his thing. And it remains the same, guys. God's going to do his thing. So, what did he learn by faith? That in his attempt to box God in, he was defeated. And Isaac was big enough to just be like, all right, all right, Lord, you know what? Jacob's going to take that blessing. All right, I'll, I'll, you know, all right, have your way. And you know what? You bless, you bless Esau in any which way you want. You know, but okay, Isaac will have that, uh, Jacob will have that blessing. So let's go on to verse 21. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of, of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. So, we're in, uh, with this verse, we're in the, the, the last chapters of Genesis here, and we have Jacob, you know, uh, the same Jacob, that same guy that, that stole the birthright, the same guy that, that took the blessing, and, and, and we have a picture of him right here. He's leaning on a staff, and he's depending on the staff, and he's reaching out his hand to bless the sons of Joseph. So, if you're like me, I, I ask this myself, what's so great about that? What is so great about that? And, and if you look at the text, it says that he was leaning on top of the staff. I, I don't know. It, it, I'm pretty sure it's in your Bible, too. You know, the, the word leaning is written, like, differently than the other words. So, you know, um, why was he leaning on the staff? You know, I'll, I'll get into that right now. But, but Jacob, you know, he, he had the, the instincts of just a, a, a con man. He had the instincts of a conniver, of a devious man. And, and you know, he really never trusted in God. He, he, he really just, you know, tried to find ways, you know, to get what he wanted on his own. You know, like he, he just tried to be like, oh, oh, you know. So don't get me wrong, Jacob still had spiritual experiences. But he, you know, he still had spiritual experiences, but he was a guy that really just trusted in himself. But one day, 
one day God just got a hold of him. God got a hold of him, guys. Uh, the Bible says that God wrestled with Jacob. God wrestled with Jacob. And by the end of that wrestling match, Jacob was just holding on for dear life. And, and that he was crying out, bless me. I won't let go until you bless me. And, and up until that point, the match was pretty even. You know, they were, they were going at it. And, and then, you know, everything changes. God, God uh, changed the match by touching his hip, and instantly it put it out of socket. I don't know about you. That sounds like pain. He, you know, instantly God puts his, he touches his hip, and, and boom, it's out of socket. And that's why he limped, and that's why he, he was leaning on that staff. So, now, I'm going to say this with love. The best thing that could happen to, to you and the best thing that could happen to me sometimes is when God gets us in a wrestling match and defeats us. Gets us in a match and he just defeats us. Because then, and only then, guys, we'll, 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 we'll hold on to him as we should. And then he can rebuild and that was Jacob leaning on the staff, remembering why he couldn't stand up straight, remembering why he needed to, 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 to depend on God. And from that posture, guys, he can bless the, his, his sons. So in verse 22, it says, By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention, I'm sorry, by faith, verse 22, by faith, Joseph when he was dying, made mention to the departure of, uh, of the children of Israel and gave instruction concerning his bones. Okay. Joseph, you know, he was great. Joseph was great. You know, he, he had a life full of just faith, guys. He had faith to, to see dreams. He had faith to see visions. He, he had faith to trust and love God when, when, when he was mistreated by people. He had faith uh, to obey God in, in, in times of temptation and in, in times of difficult circumstances. He had faith not to give up when he was unjustly suffering for doing what was right. And you know what? The list goes on and on and on and on and on. You know, that guy's life was just like a highlight reel of faith. Just a highlight reel filled of faith. So the writer of Hebrews, you know, he could have picked... Uh, Anything from, from Joseph's uh, just life of faith, and, and, and he picks this. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of departure of the, to the, of the children of Israel and gave instruction concerning his bones. So when Joseph was about to die, he, he, he said, hey, don't, don't, don't put my body in the, in the ground or, or in some pyramid, you know, because I... We don't belong here in Egypt. We don't belong here in Egypt. Now, when you guys go back to Canaan, to the promised land, I want you to take my body because that's where it's going to be buried and that's where it belongs. All Joseph wanted was to be in the midst of God's people. All Joseph wanted was to be in the middle of what God was doing through his people. Joseph trusted God. Joseph trusted God's promise, even though it was a long way off in the fulfillment. Now, can we believe God's promises for our lives? Yes, yes, we can. We can. Each of these, these men and women in this chapter, 
Guys, they were not supermen. They were not superwomen. They shared in our weaknesses, and guys, we can, we can share in their faith. We can. So, guys, um, let's go ahead and pray it out. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we love you so much, Jesus. And right now, Lord, we just uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, what you've done on the cross, Lord. We thank you for the promise that we, that we have, Lord, that one day you will return for your church, Lord God. We can hold to that, Lord. We can, we, we can hold on to that promise, Lord. I pray right now that you would just strengthen us, Lord. Give us faith, Lord God. Strengthen our faith, Lord. Uh, give us endurance, Lord God, to just keep pushing, Lord God. When it feels like we want to throw in the towel, Lord, just give us that strength. Lord, Lord, um, thank you, Lord God, uh, for, for all that you do, Lord. Be with my brothers and sisters here, Lord God. Bless them, Lord, and we love you, Lord, in your name. Amen.